You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. For everything, for everything indie, for everything cults, it's the Blue Horseshoe now. Here's your host, George Bremer and Ryan Hickey. And welcome into this bi-week edition of the Blue Horseshoe Podcast. As always, Ryan Hickey and George Bremer here with you. George, we figured, especially since the bye is so late in the year, after week 13, we've seen the Colts play 13 games. We have a large sample size of who they are. Unfortunately, more, as we know, bad than good. So figured figured since there's no game to preview, this would be a good opportunity to kind of take a step back and just evaluate the entire season for the Colts so far, what's gone wrong. We do have some awards as well, the biggest uh, the biggest disappointment so far this season, the MVP, if you will. I know it's tough on a 4-1 team pick an MVP, but... We will try our best to at least find that as well. And also discuss what the Titans breaking news happened on Tuesday. They announced the firing of their GM, John Robinson, how that impacts the Titans and especially how that impacts the Colts in the division going forward and what the Titans are trying to accomplish here after being now going or should win their third straight AFC South title. So a lot here on this bi-week edition of the Blue Horseshoe Pod, George. So first of all, let's just say 4-8-1. Not exactly, uh, let's say, what we thought we'd be talking about at the bye episode of the Blue Horseshoe Podcast. We were recording this back in August. No, absolutely not. Even if, honestly, even if the record was reversed, it would be good, but but maybe even a little bit lower than, you know, I was thinking this was going to be a team that was contending for one of the top two, three seeds in, in the AFC. So eight, four, and one would probably be more in the in the neighborhood. But even then, I might be a little bit disappointed with that tie to the Texans. I mean, um, it just doesn't, it doesn't add up. We, you know, we talked about it on the, on the post game pod. Um, how did they get here? You know, how were so many people so wrong about this football team? Um, it's, it's a mess. Um, and, and I think the worst part about this late buy is it feels like you've already played the season. I know there's four games left, but it honestly feels like the season is done right now. So it, it's just, I hate these late buys. I guess that's what I'm coming back to right here. I, I hate these. It's second year in a row, and these late buys are just. But you know, I think I saw a stat. I it's not going to happen this year because the four teams on the buy this week are not playoff contenders. But uh, these late buys have been really good for teams to win the Super Bowl. So you know, maybe maybe there is some benefit to it, but uh, not for this franchise, not this year. Yeah, safe to say that uh, that streak or or that uh, percentage is going to take a big hit in terms of late buys and teams win the Super Bowl because yeah, at least. The- we know the Colts are nowhere near that. That is for sure. But it's like, it's so frustrating, George, because you're right. Like we were talking about a team where in August, we we're given up preseason expectations. You said anything short of a playoff win would be a disappointment. I said just getting to the playoffs and winning the AFC South, anything short of not winning the division would be a disappointment. So here we are, both of us, severely wrong at 4-8-1. It's like, how do we get here? I think a large part of it 
is just flat out turnovers. You're giving the other team opportunities. And I thought Mike Chappell really, after a five turnover performance, one of their best, if you want to call it that, against the Cowboys, that really kind of hammered home their issues. He put a, a few stats and numbers and rankings to kind of really just kind of put it to perspective so far the first 13 games for the Colts and how bad they have been in turning the ball over. They have 26 turnovers, not a surprise, most in the NFL. They have 30 total fumbles, most in the NFL, clearing 12 loss, also most in the NFL. I don't know what's more surprising, George, the fact that they fumbled 30 times or that they recovered 18 of them. Like, that's insane, they've, honestly. They've got to be in contention for a record for recovered fumbles in a season. I mean, they're, if it's not there already, they've got to be getting very close. It is truly unbelievable. And the biggest thing for this team, and you can argue that the most damning stat that's really hurt this team, it's not the turnovers just in and of itself. It's not the 30 fumbles or the 14 interceptions or Matt Ryan's 17 turnovers by himself. 18. If you look at 18, excuse me, 18 turnovers. Thank you, George. I don't want to short him. That's I was trying to throw Matt Ryan one of the few bones he's gotten this year and maybe, you know, shave off one fumble or two. But thank you, George. You're right. 18 turnovers, which is still just through 13 games. Unbelievable. But you look at the team overall, 2016 turnovers. That has led to 93 points. The Dallas game alone, those five turnovers led to 29 points. So when you look at a game when you lose by 35 to the Cowboys, well, that's almost the the equivalent of, of the turnovers that they gave or the points they scored off turnovers. When you give away 93 points on the season to 29 turnovers, no team, I don't care how good you are, is going to be having a, a winning record, especially for a team that, again, when you're the Colts, you need everything to kind of go away to have success in offense. And then you see right there, turnovers and the point of turnovers, you could point to right there as two of the biggest reasons why this team right now is 4-8-1. Well, we were talking about a minute ago, you know, if you flip this record, they're winning the AFC South. You know, if they're 8-4-1, and one, they'd be in first place right now just ahead of the Titans. 93 points that are given up on turnovers that you've handed the other team and four of these losses are by one score or less. So you think you take away some of those 93 points, you take away some of these turnovers, this could be a first-place team in the AFC South. That's how big an impact these turnovers have had. And to put it in perspective, 26 total turnovers, if you cut that number in half, if they had 13 total turnovers right now, it would be an unacceptable bad number. So double it to the number they're actually at, that... I, I don't think it's overstating it to say that if you were able to protect the football, you could conceivably be leading the AFC South right now and controlling your own destiny over the final month of the season. And you look at their point differential this season, they're at minus 89 at four and one. So again, you look mm -hmm. at the 90, what, nine, what is it? 93, 96 points, 93 yeah. points plus four given up. Right. Like that's, like that's right then and there. Your biggest, you know, reason why you're four and one is just it's also maddening because, like, I don't think we misread this roster. Like again, when, especially when you talked about it, kind of right after the loss to uh, to Dallas on Sunday. If you missed missed the post game pod, we did talk a lot about just general Colts topics, not a lot of the pre uh, post game reaction. Because again, at this point, there's not a lot of reason to react. So if you again, that is trust me, it's not outdated. Go back and listen to the Blue Horseshoe pod that we recorded uh, after the Cowboys game on Sunday night. But it's kind of continue that conversation, George. It's like. One of the reasons why, like, or the reason why I don't think we really misjudge this team in terms of talent-wise, we're, we're predicting them to win the division and, you know, at least make, you know, maybe win a playoff game. It's just because when you, again, when you turn the ball over at an alarming rate, you don't, ex number one, expect that to happen from a team that was, I think, what, number one or, or number two in terms of turnover differential yep. last year. The defense did a great job at forcing turnovers. And the Colts, for the most part, with Carson Wentz did a pretty solid job at not turning the ball over. 
you don't expect a, a record number of turnovers, but you quickly see that's for all the problems on the offensive line, all the problems with Matt Ryan in and of himself, sometimes the defense, sometimes the receivers. The, you could circle right there. Turnovers right now are by far the biggest problem as to why this team had playoff ac- aspirations and expectations. And now you're sitting here, like I said, we're, we're rooting for a top five pick uh, at the bye week. You know, and honestly, it's one of the, the one time that we did get to talk with uh, Chris Ballard, you know, during that that bizarre press conference when Jeff Saturday was announced. Yeah. He, he brought up the turnovers. You know, I think that the team's aware of it, that this is the number one factor. Uh, I would throw sacks right there as sort of 1B. Turnovers are 1A and, and the sacks are 1B. And they, some of those go hand in hand because some of the sacks have led to some of the turnovers. Um, but, you know, all in all, protect the football. It's as simple as that. One thing that we did discuss on the postgame pod that, that I've kind of changed my mind on since since the postgame pod, hmm. I want to mention it in there. You know, I said then that I didn't think there was any use in, in starting Nick Foles the rest of the year because uh, I just didn't see any utility for it. I kind of come back on that a little bit from this angle. If he starts these final four games, you know, he's under contract for next year as well. Maybe he's a guy who can stick around and mentor, you know, a rookie. And maybe he's your backup in, in your insurance plan uh, if you see enough from him in these final four games. So I just, I've kind of gone back in the sense that I, I don't think it's completely without merit now for him to play the final four games or two of them or, or however that works out. Well, I actually forgot he's in a two-year deal. So you're like, you're talking about quarterback, conver- you know, converse first uh, conversations and decisions. Like, obviously, we'll be talking a lot about the draft and if the Colts select on who they should select. But you're, you also have two quarterbacks that are aging and Matt Ryan and Nick Foles. That one of them you think probably will be here and one they'll either be traded or cut, which is going to be an interesting discussion and decision. I will say this then, in terms of that, I would prefer Matt Ryan for to be here for the Colts next season compared to Nick Foles. I know Nick Foles won a Super Bowl. I just think Matt Ryan be able to instill more wisdom to whatever quarterback they do end up drafting kind of help their progression all along. I would just kind of view Matt Ryan just because of his experience and what he's accomplished in this league as a maybe a better mentor and someone who can kind of help uh, help a rookie kind of jump over that rookie wall or get through it a little bit faster compared to maybe, you know, Nick Foles in terms of keeping him around. Yeah, you know, and, and I agree. I just think when I said on Sunday that there's no purpose, mm-hmm. I don't think that that's the case anymore. I think there is – you can find something out by playing Nick Foles these last four games. Is it worth it? I don't know. You know, do you want to cut him? And our, our producer, Aaron, pointing out two really important numbers here. Matt Ryan's dead cap, $18 million for next season versus Nick Foles, $1.5 million. One of those, obviously, a lot easier to swallow than the other. Uh, but neither one of them, we've seen teams take a lot worse dead cap hits than that. Both uh, Seattle's got a pretty big one this year, you know, with, with Russell Wilson on the trade, and it's not really affected them. They've got good play from Geno Smith. They're in the playoff hunt. I don't think they're upset, you know, and they're go- that money's going to come off next year, and they're going to be able to use it to to improve a team that was in the mix, you know, this year the, the whole way. So I don't know that either one of those are prohibitive numbers, but when you look at those two numbers, it's pretty easy to pick which one you'd, you'd rather deal with. That is very true, but I guess the good news on the other side is, you know, a rookie quarterback is a cheap deal, so, you know, that could mm-hmm. help as well. But it's going to be interesting to see, like, if they'll even be able to offload Matt Ryan um, or whether, you know, maybe if you're able to trade him, that kind of helps alleviate some of that number. It's going to be – the Matt Ryan discussion is going to be fascinating this offseason for sure because I don't really know of a market that's out there. Now, also, with that said, I really didn't think there would be a big market for Carson Wentz and somehow they're able to convince the commanders to, uh, to give two picks for him. So, hey, teams are desperate, that is for sure. Um, 
but it will be very interesting when it comes to, like I said, Matt Ryan's future. Um, but also, too, I think a big reason why we're sitting here, Georgia, four and one, has been the the regression big time from the offensive line. Like, I don't know if there's one unit you could point to more outside of quarterback, more responsible for this team being four games under 500 than right now. The the, the unit that is the highest paid offensive line in the NFL. And the one thing that I felt the most confident in this year coming in was that they would run the ball well, right? I mean, I think everybody kind of felt like I, I thought you'd have a drop off because Jonathan Taylor wasn't going to have back to back 1800 yard rushing seasons, but I thought he'd be in that 14, 1500 yard range. This would be one of the top rushing attacks in the NFL. If nothing else, they would run the football and it would help Matt Ryan out that way. Uh, talking about, you know, the offensive line struggles there. I think it's most apparent there. The sacks are obviously a big deal. Not all of those are on them. We were talking about that post game. Sometimes it's the running backs. Sometimes it's a tight end. Sometimes it's a quarterback. Uh, it's not all on them on the running game either. But when you're when you have as bad a numbers as they do protecting the quarterback and then on top of that, you're running the football as poorly as they are then the offensive line obviously is a big part of the the overall picture there. Uh, and in coming in, what you expect them to do and what they've done has been such a, a big difference. I think one of the underrated things from this year, you know, we, we talked about losing Mark Glowinski and losing Chris Reed, not re-signing them uh, at right guard. That's obviously been a huge portion of this. I think Eric Fisher early in the season, at least, was was better as a run blocker than, than the left tackles have been this year. Uh, but also, you know, Jack Doyle's names come up in that mix as somebody who was a big part of the run game. And Zach Pascal, you know, that's a that's a guy, I think, in the receivers uh, who would get out there and dig out these linebackers. And, you know, that's how you turn uh, an, a five-yard gain into a 15- or 20-yard gain. And that's what they've really been missing this year. Uh, you know, now that you've seen Jonathan Taylor be healthy, he's consistently getting around the 80-yard mark. I think he's had four straight weeks now where he's at at least 80 yards. Uh, which is the best stretch of the season so far. And I think, you know, that as much as anything is what this run game is missing. Uh, Taylor, even last year, was a guy that, that you know, volume was, was what you were looking for with him. You know, three-yard runs, four-yard runs, five-yard runs. And then he'd break off a 15- or 20-yard run. And then he'd break off a 60-yard run. And it kept defenses honest. You know, they, they're just missing too many pieces, I think, of that run game. But again, when you look at the totality – the offensive line has a hand in all of this. No, you're 100% right. Like you said, I'm glad you pointed out you made a, a great observation with the ancillary pieces with the run game because it's not just right the, the loss of you know Eric Fisher. It's not just the, the fact that there's a whole left tackle or right guard. It's the fact that you're right. Zach Pascoe, their best run blocker, is gone. Jack Doe, their best you know blocker when it comes to a tight end, one overall, maybe their best blocker, period, maybe outside of Quentin Nelson going in this year, gone. And then – you know, to get on Chris Bowen, he didn't do anything to, to improve it. It's not like he moved on and got a bigger, better version of Zach Pascal or moved on and brought in the tight end. That's like a George Kittle S kind of guy that is able to do, you know, block and catch at a high level. He just kind of rolled with the guys that they had did not make many, you know, uh, free agent or, or trade, um, trade moves. And then that's kind of where you're sitting, where the Colts got worse on the, on the margins didn't get any better. And again, we're talking about a team that, again, is not very – doesn't have a lot of elite talent at the to begin with, let alone at the quarterback position when you don't have that eraser that kind of allows you to kind of make up for some deficiencies elsewhere. 
those marginal moves that, again, for a team like maybe the Chiefs or the Bills is not that big of a deal they can overcome, this Colts team is not good enough to overcome it. And, again, that's just another reason, another uh, area through 13 games. You look at, like, how are, how do we get here? How do we misjudge this team so much? It's not just one area per se. The turnovers are a big reason for it. But like you mentioned, it's the fact that they got worse in the run game in terms of who was out there blocking, and they weren't really able – to get a to get a fix and improve it whatsoever, especially on the outside and with the tight ends. Yeah, I think a really good point in there too that that you mentioned is that Chris Ballard didn't really do a good job of replacing these guys, particularly the tight end, because you know you drafted a couple of rookies, but to go in there and ask them to do what Jack Doyle did was a really big ask, and I don't think that would have been a really big spending, you know, a, a really big money acquisition. You could have gone out and gotten somebody who has a history of, of blocking at that position, a veteran, and, and, and you know, shored yourself up a little bit. Might not have been Jack Doyle, but the drop-off might not have been as big. Uh, and I think the other part of this is Ashton Doolin getting hurt. You know, He's one of the better blocking wide receivers, too. I think they felt like he was going to take some of that Zach Pascal role, uh, and he missed a good chunk of the season. And I don't think it's a coincidence he's been back for some of this upturn that we've seen right now for the, uh, for the running game to get a little bit better than it's been. Um, it's never one thing, right? I think that's the, the lesson that, that, if nothing else, this year has taught us. It's never about one guy or one position. It's, you know, a totality here. And I think in this case, the general manager, Chris Ballard, deserves some of the blame as well. So let's wrap up this post-mortem of the Colts season, even though it's still going on here with this. Because I think you're right. It's not just one person, but let's just have a little fun because, you know, People, I'll say this for myself. I do like to kind of, you know, point the finger here and there. So let's point the finger a little bit. Who do you think George has more to more responsibility for this four, eight, and one season? Would you say Matt Ryan? Or would you say Chris Ballard? Oh man, that's a really good I know. question. It's it's not it's not I, easy. I'm gonna go with Matt Ryan for the simple fact that I think if he protected the ball, the numbers that we were just talking about, those 93 points off turnovers. The, the 26 total turnovers, if you cut those down, this team's still in playoff contention. If they're at a more manageable level, a normal level, if he's turned the ball over, say, six or seven times instead of 18 times, they're in, they're in playoff contention. So I'm going to go with Matt Ryan for that purpose. You know, if we look at the turnovers and we say that's the number one area this team needs to improve, he's the number one part of that. Uh, so I'll, I'll go with him. I'm going to go with Chris Ballard because in part, we just kind of outlined, you know, the, 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 they missed, a, they lost a few key pieces and he do, really did nothing to kind of improve it. But also too, like this offense, like the frustrating part for me is he has been someone who preached building in the trenches and kind of winning their first building your team from inside out. And again, I actually agree. Like, I think that's the way to do it. I really did not have a problem the last few years with how the Colts have approached for the most part, the quarterback position. Cause Again, I don't believe just taking a quarterback, take one is the answer. So I don't mind what he's done, and I don't mind especially coming off of and you saw how why Andrew Luck retired because he couldn't get protection. I don't mind trying to build that up first and get the guy. But he didn't come through this year in terms of actually fulfilling his promise. Where you look at the left tackle position, he didn't take it seriously whatsoever. We're talking about a guy who was supposed to be the starter, Matt Pryor, that had zero left tackle experience and has played his worst football at the tackle position and is more suited to be a guard. He's really not even good there anyway. Like His best role is a sixth or seventh lineman coming in for an injury or in a spot start. And that was supposed to be their true answer with a non-mobile 37-year-old quarterback. It's going to be Matt Ryan. You have your other hole at the right guard. They, again, they didn't take seriously whatsoever. You let Mark Lewinsky go, and there was no replacement there. There was no better option there. 
And so I know there's a lot of areas to blame. And Matt Ryan's been awful at the terms, awful decision-making. He's got to hold on to the football. It's, it's like his first instinct is drop the ball anytime anyone's near him. So he doesn't get a pass that whatsoever. But I do feel like, and Frank Reich said this after they benched Matt Ryan after the, the week seven game, the Colts have not been as advertised. Like what they sold Matt Ryan in the offseason with a good running game, with elite protection, with, with the amount of money they paid their offensive line, they have not backed up or, or you know fulfilled their end of the bargain when it comes to uh when it comes to giving Matt Ryan everything that was promised and, and kind of lured him out of Atlanta. So that's why at least I would go Chris Ballard because I think he failed uh the Colts and Matt Ryan, especially that left tackle just hole right there. You know, and I think it's really, you know, again, we talk about it's not one guy, it's never one position. It's, this is almost chicken or the egg kind of a situation, isn't it? Like, is it Matt Ryan turning the ball over too much on his own accord? You know, the things, the decisions he's making, uh, him not protecting the ball, or is it Chris Ballard not giving him the protection he was promised and that leading to the turnovers? I think it's probably a little bit of both. And so I think, honestly, it's probably both guys deserve a share of this, uh, but it, it, no matter how you slice it, no matter which way you want to go on this, it's unacceptable. You can't turn the ball over 26 times and expect to win football games. Absolutely not. And basically the last 25 minutes or so, George, we've been talking, like I said, it's not one thing. We've highlighted three or four true deficiencies with this team, three or four real reasons, or a center at the bye, four in one, playoffs are shot, and we're already kind of looking towards 2023 again. Not exactly the, the, the uh, topics we thought we'd be having we first kicked off this podcast in August, that is for sure. All right, so when we do return in the Blue Horseshoe Pod, we'll give out some bi-week awards. Not just, you know, well, some negatives, the biggest disappointment for sure, but also let's let's talk about try to find an MVP, maybe try to find the biggest surprise so far. And again, maybe try to put lipstick on a pig that's so far been this cold season. We'll do that when the Blue Horseshoe Pod returns.